It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. So I got a lot of love from K-Rock today because they're making a little transition. If you've been listening to the Sportzilla Show here on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1, you're aware that we've been doing this for a few months now, and it's on twitch.tv slash Talk. It also applies, and I'm sure if you listen to the show over on the Brother Station to ESPN Sportzilla Show in the Utica Rome market. So that's one thing happening. But these are the days that I'm I'm glad and I'm grateful that I've get got to make this transition in my broadcasting career because there's just so much going on. I mean, we've got a national championship in college football tonight, Scoop. Nick's in the studio as well, nodding his head. We've got the NFL playoffs that we've got to discuss because there were some great games and some unexpected outcomes, I think. And then you turn around and they drop the hammer on the Houston Astros about an hour ago as I'm getting all this other stuff ready. Wow. And then where do you start? Isn't that how you feel? That's how I feel. I mean, this is an exciting day in sports. Nick, you're totally a baseball guy. I want to get your take on mm-hmm. this $5 million penalty Hinch banned for a year. They've also banned Brandon Taubman from working in Major League Baseball for a year after his outburst at the female reporters. Jeff you know, Lono, too, the GM. We we heard they were going to, you know, lower the hammer. Uh, and boy, they really did, didn't they, Nick? Well, I'll tell you, I don't think it's enough. I really don't. We heard for, for weeks upon weeks that it's going to be the harshest punishment that we've ever seen. And... It feels kind of like a slap on the wrist that you, all you got to do is give up your first and second round picks and $5 million, which is essentially chump change for running a, a Major League Baseball organization, to win a world championship. It's more egregious because they won a world championship. I agree with you. But it makes you then have to think about Alex Cora. You threw that name at me. He's involved with it from being bench coach of the Astros that season, moving on the next year. And then there's all of this confirmed Red Sox cheating so is that going to be where they're calling this the biggest ever because they haven't applied his punishment quite yet? Are they going to finish? Because he's still within an open investigation, I guess is what you would call it, because he's he's guilty in a couple of different places. But it makes me think, you remember when you watched those Yankees games these past couple seasons, he's he's cocky, he's arrogant, he runs his mouth, he's got an attitude. Mm-hmm. And, and the way he is and his demeanor... And so of his comments in the press and in the media. And now you sit back and you go, yeah, really? Definitely. Really? Really, Alex Cora? Scumbag. Sorry, I said it. They said his punishment's supposed to be even harsher because his, his investigation is still going on. But, Rain, it's even as a Yankees fan, it's got to sting. If they come out and they find that the Red Sox had cheated to those kind of levels that it took cheating teams twice in a row to beat the Yankees in the postseason. Amazing, isn't it? Wow. You know, like, that is really framing it for me right now. I, You know, I'm down with the year suspensions. I think that's okay. But $5 million seems like a little bit of a low fine to me. I don't know. I, I don't want to go off on this because being a Yankees fan the way I am, I could literally spend the whole entire hour going crazy on this. 
I think we need to let it breathe for a second. There's going to be a lot more stuff to read. It's only about an hour old, this news. Not even. I want to read what happens on Twitter. I want to see some of the reactions. I want to hear from other people. Other people are going to sound off on this. And you're you're. this is just the tip, just the tip of the iceberg. And this is going to explode over the next few hours. I'm, I'm interested in the conversations we're going to have tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. And then spring training gets closer and closer again. And then it ramps back up. Can you imagine where this is going to go? It, it's, it, it angers me. I won't say it. P, it's, I'm PO'd. I'm peed off, basically, as a Yankees fan. Because I'm so sick of this evil empire crap and everything else. Well, the one thing that really gets me is that, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago, the Braves got into a scandal. Not a scandal. They got in trouble because they spent too much money on international free agents. Mm-hmm. And they got their GM basically fired, almost run out of baseball. They lost everything, banned from signing outside prospects. They got what I feel like a much harsher punishment for something less egregious. Like, it's one thing to go outside the limit to spend but to just blatantly cheat and to get what looks to be a lesser punishment? Didn't Joe, on, Shoeless Joe Jackson got a lifetime ban from Major League Baseball, and he hit three-something. F- I mean, he was the only one on the White Sox back in 1919 that actually performed. He begged to do whatever was necessary to get back in the game. One of the, He was a, one of the greatest players to ever play this game. He was an incredible player. Somebody like that. And then this, uh, yeah, you might be right. Maybe it does need, you cheated to win a World Series. I think that does make it much, much worse. I'm still trying to digest the scope of this punishment. That's why I wanted to ask you, Nick, how you Mm -hmm. felt about it. I know you're a huge baseball guy because I was worried that they weren't going to go this far. I was worried that it was really going to be what appeared to be a slap on the wrist. But I do think it's serious. Uh, we are hearing now that AJ Hinch has been fired. I think it was uh, GM Jeff Jeff Luno just got fired, and AJ Hinch just got fired. That's breaking news. Get on the get on the Twitter machine and verify that for us. It's so any, true. So there you go. I mean, uh, that that pretty much. I mean, and why would the Astros want to have that guy there? What, what are they going to do for a year? Wait for him to come back? I mean, that put, they kind of have to part ways with A.J. Hinch. How does he get another job in Major League Baseball at this point now? Now you're toast. You're toast. Well, I mean, he's, he's got a huge contract. He can go home and and li- live on that, that money that he's got. I, you know, whatever he can get out of that contract, I'm sure there's a, a morals clause or some such, you know, and he may not get as much as he thought he was going to get out of that contract. Wow, that's just absolutely amazing. Like I said, uh, what, five minutes ago, there's going to be more and more and more and more and, and more. And what's going to happen to Alex Cora? I'm waiting to find That's out. That's the other shoe I'm waiting to see drop. I hope they crush him. Well, Are now, you going to see a lifetime ban since he's he's dipped it in two different pots? Well, now it feels like he almost has to get fired. If he did worse and Hinch and Luna got fired... It feels like he kind of has to get fired. Well, that's that's up to the discretion of the Red Sox, I suppose, pending whether or not Major League Baseball says you're done. Uh, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think it should be a little bit harsher. He's he's clearly guilty of conspiring with the Astros, and obviously there's a lot, there's a mountain of evidence against what he did with the Red Sox. We're going to wait and find out. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Uh, we can be seen on twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. <laughs> 
Oh, is there more we, already? Well, when, we didn't really intend to go this far into this, but no. then it just is happening as we're on the air. So it's, it, how about yeah, that? It's literally been breaking over the last hour and change. So we've got Jerry McNamara brought to you by Drivers Village at about three thirty to give us a nice breakdown because that's another thing. That Syracuse win over Virginia was awesome. Wow. I mean, you're seeing season saving win, but when you look at the fact they're ranked 18th, you look at the fact that they beat us pretty badly in the opening game of the season. It gives you a little bit of hope, and you're like, wow, wow, all right, Jim. And then, of course, when Jim throws a jacket with Jim throwing a jacket at Duke in, as the liner inside of the jacket, that's fantastic in so many ways. See, when I initially saw that, I thought I saw it online because I didn't notice it on the broadcast. But when I saw it, I thought somebody Photoshopped that, or that is some sort of newfangled software trickery going on there. But he really has the jacket. They, they ended up, they ended up outscoring themselves in overtime as compared to the second half. It was 19 points in the second half, 20 points in overtime, and they were just hitting threes like crazy. But I thought in a very interesting comment post game from Beheim, and maybe we should have just played the five minutes because it wasn't that kind of a game through the first, well, regulation, if we call it that. This is Jim's comment. You know, we scored more points in the five minutes than we scored in the whole first half in Syracuse <laughs> and the whole second half here tonight. Maybe we should just play five minutes against them. We can't score 20 points against them in a, in, a, in a half. So, I mean, but when you make, when those shots go in, you can score points. You can score a lot of points when those shots go in. Let's revisit Syracuse, Virginia, to set up Jerry McNamara at 3.30 in a couple minutes because I, I definitely want to talk. I mean, we're going to talk more about the national championship game later tonight. But a couple quick thoughts because we were just going to open up and go crazy on the NFL playoffs Conference championships are set. Kansas City, Tennessee now, San Francisco, Green Bay now. But I just want to focus, because we'll be able to talk about this all week long. This is not our only conversation on it, because obviously the games aren't until Sunday. But, Scoop, let's just focus on the Tennessee Titans. And you have been banging the drum for the Tennessee Titans, and you have been spot on. Nobody expected this, them to be there with Ryan Tannehill. What a job by Mike Rabel to coach up this team and get them in the in this position for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, I'm shocked, but you've nailed it. Well, the, the running game, I mean, uh, gosh, uh, the, the defensive secondary and the Ravens, it, whoever they run on, they just paced guys. They just paced guys, and it was interesting. The Ravens still won the time of possession, but the Titans did enough to, to keep Lamar off kilter, off the field, they they did enough. They get out to that big lead. I mean, wow! I was I was blown away by the manhandling that the Titans delivered the Ravens. Scoop, I was going to air with for you some audio of Richard Sherman post game. I don't know. You may have seen it. It's been yes. making the rounds on social media. We can revisit that because, as I said, there's plenty to talk about over the course of the entire week leading up until the conference championships on Sunday. But I do want to close out our opening segment and our discussion here on things being set. These four teams, one of these four teams is going to be the Super Bowl champion. Two of them are going to the Super Bowl. But Marshawn Lynch, who is notorious for not saying much, I mean, we could revisit some of his lack of comments over the years or those single things. What's the most famous thing Marshawn Lynch has ever said? Oh, God. I'm just here so don't get fined. I'm just here so yeah, I don't right, get fined. that's right, that's right, yeah. But he actually spoke for about 45 seconds at the post-game press conference the other day. Did you did you hear any of this, I Nick? I thought I'd share this with you because I'm still – I think I got what he's trying to say. I think we all kind of understand 
but Marshawn is unique in his delivery. Retirement, and it's good. Now, I done been on the other side of a retirement, and it's good when you get over there and you can do what the f- you want to. So I tell y'all right now while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, you go ahead and take care of yourself. So while y'all at it right now, take care of y'all bodies. You know what I mean? Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mentals. Because, look, we ain't lasting that long. Um, you know, I had a couple of players that I played with that, you know what I mean? They no longer here no more. They no longer. So, I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken for when y'all, you know, ready to walk away. You walk away, and you be able to do what you want to do. But I appreciate it. Thank y'all. I think I want to talk like Marshawn Lynch and use beast modes like cadence for the remainder of the Sportzilla show. That was some real talk there. It was. I mean, he did keep it real, and I get the point. Uh, the Sportzilla show, we're going to take a break. We could come back. He makes me want some chicken, though. I got to be honest. Yeah, I haven't eaten any lunch today. I, I, want, I want money and I want chicken. <laughs> I would like money and I would like chicken. I love chicken. And I would like some money so when I walk away, I, I got my mind right and I can take care of my business. Nick, yeah? You? I'm all in. I think we're all in on this. We need to get some chicken. I'm serious. I want barbecue right now. I'm feeling that. Big old I'm... chicken sandwich. Yeah. Man, I'm hungry. We could get some sides, too. <laughs> A Chick-fil-A. What do you want to, oh, what do you want to drink? Chick-fil-A. Anything? Just chicken, man. Just some chicken. Chicken and beers, maybe. We'll get some Q's basketball, <laughs> some national championship talk, some LSU and some Clemson. We're going to do that next. The Sportzilla Show. On ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Join Seth Everett Wednesday following the BC game for a special Twitch-only postgame on twitch.tv slash QSportsDoc. You'll also hear Coach Beheim's press conference. That's the Burdick Lexus and Burdick BMW basketball postgame. I'm hearing that Paul Pierce and a few others were out with Julian Edelman when he got arrested. He was, like, jumping on the roof of a car, both yeah, on suspicion of vandalism. I think I saw, like, an Instagram picture <laughs> that was m- maybe earlier, and it looked like maybe they were starting to drink a little bit. Didn't he get caught in some like the, some woman after the Super Bowl a couple of years? Didn't she post a picture about yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. That like happened, She had too. just slept with, with Edelman and, like, posted a, a picture to... Twitter or something. I don't think I'd ever do that, ever. Like, I would never do that. It's insane. All right. We're talking about basketball. We'll get back to football. College championship, of course, a little bit later on tonight. But let's set up GMAC, Jerry McNamara, who we'll talk to about the win against Virginia. Brought to you by Drivers Village in our next segment here on the Sportsilla Show on ESPN Radio. But DeBella's subs announced that Bayheim Club. I knew you'd be out. So we're talking about food. I had to bring this in here. But there's a fundraising a fundraising campaign to benefit children of Central New York. So for every Bayheim Club sandwich that's sold, dollars donated to the Jim and Julie Bayheim Foundation, which does remarkable things. I mean, I I don't even need to talk on it. I think we all are quite aware of that. But yeah, you can go to their Bridge Street location. It's the only place they're going to be available. And now I want one of those too. You? Absolutely. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to make a trip over there. And all this talk about. You know, Marshawn's chicken and... Do we have to finish the show today or can we just go get something to eat? This Bayheim sandwich? You make me hungry. I, I just, I can't get over how epic it is to have a coat with you throwing a coat as the liner of the coat. And then you threw that coat. 
It's almost like when you're in that bathroom at the hotel, it has a mirror on one wall and a mirror on the other wall, and you can look at yourself to infinity. It's like that same thing. (laughs) Infinity and beyond, sir. So interesting tweet that I read uh, as far as the Bayheim must go crowd. Hop and the University of Washington, and they had a very highly ranked recruiting class, have lost three straight to unranked conference opponents. Yeesh. It's led Hop to issue a challenge to his upperclassmen. We want to win. They got to step up. You hear things like that from time to time from a certain coach here that's still coaching that everybody expected Hop to currently be the coach of his team. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How quick the narrative can change. We miss him in recruiting. Of course we do. But it's okay because I think Jim can still coach. Had a pretty important win against Virginia. They were 18th ranked in the nation. Scoop. And how fantastic. The moment when Buddy makes that crazy shot, you could just see... But when they when they run up and hug him and the smile on his face, you can t- tell how it just brought everybody together. It's one of those kinds of moments. Prisoners of where, the moment. We're overreactionary. We're not reactionary. We're overreactionary. Sometimes I'm guilty of it. You're, I'm sure you're guilty of it but, sometimes. But sometimes the narrative is ridiculous. That that's a moment though where the the team chemistry is just forged in the fire of the competitive moment. You know, and that. I think we're going to get more moments like that. It was one of the moments that I, you know, almost dreamed of going into this season. I had big moments like that from Buddy and from JG3. And that was a crazy shot, you know. I mean, uh, I, lo- I love the Twitter post where the guy said the bank was open. The bank was you open know, and Buddy. Buddy made the deposit, man. You, you want to hear it? I got it. Gerard in possession out front. Crosses over on Kihei Clark. Unloads right side to who? Bayheim's got it back to midcourt. Two to shoot. 40-footer Buddy. Off the glass. It's there. Buddy Bayheim, A long-range jumper from just past midcourt. With 117 to go in overtime. The Orange now lead by eight. Being that I am such a homer for Q's basketball, do you know how many times I watched the replay of that shot? It's got to be a dozen at least. Now, Nick, you? Yeah, I saw it a couple times. I, I saw just the headline, Buddy Bayheim makes ridiculous shot. I'm like, well, how, how crazy can it be? And I'm like, oh. It was, <laughs> it was a, pretty crazy. It was a little ridiculous. Yeah, it's just a great moment. And now it's one of those moments where they're all going to look at each other with a little more belief in what they're doing. You know, they're all teammates. They're all fighting this fight together. But now after a win like that, I mean, it is so instrumental in creating team chemistry, growing together as, as and improving as a team. Just a big win for Syracuse. We'll break it down further with Jerry McNamara in just a couple minutes here on the Sports Illustrated Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I will, I will go ahead. I will tell you, I think it's key that Syracuse was much better with the rebounds this time yeah, big than the first time around with Virginia. I wanted to just close out our, our discussion on Syracuse before we get Jerry on the phone with what Jim said about Buddy's shot, basically his reaction to when he took the shot before he made it. I didn't even think it would have a chance. He just threw it. I, I didn't think for a second that that's going to go in. Uh, I was glad we used the clock mainly. That's what we're trying to do. In the, you know, Once we get to lead, just use the clock up. He's just like, it's my son, and um, I totally thought he was going to make it. Just like throw a bone to Buddy. Just be like, yeah, Dad knew you were going to make it the whole time and just move on. Is that going to make for an awkward dinner? I, I don't quite know. It was a great shot. 
Yeah, you know, was. That, that was a, such a fun moment in a game that was a slog for a good part of it. One of the questions uh, that we're going to ask Jerry McNamara is about LSU and Clemson tonight in the national championship game. I know Jim's going to be watching that. We know G-Max. Everybody's going to be paying attention to this. And the Tigers are going to win. Yeah, we all know that, too. Mm-hmm. What's key to the game Key to the game for you? We've got to get to our break in a second, but what's the key to the game for you? Uh, I... I think just LSU has too much for Clemson. Ultimately, you know, uh, I, I think they, they win by seven. Heisman quarterback. What about you, Nick? I just don't know if Clemson can stop Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think so. He's just a machine at this point. Something has clicked with him. He's 23. He's got that Heisman. He's ready to go. Probably the number one pick in the NFL draft. I, I don't know how he's not. I mean, it's... Trevor Lawrence is good, though. People are saying that he should take a year off now and just wait. Have you heard that stuff? Have you read some of I, I had not heard some that. of this. Because of the age you have to be in order to be eligible for the draft, that's some of the narrative that's out there. He's pretty good, too, though. I mean, I don't know. You wonder You wonder if they do have enough, though. But they do have a great running back, Travis Etienne. Got to keep an eye on him, too. Could be a factor in the game. Obviously, that's part of it. And each team, I think, is affected by the fact that there's a few weeks in between. I mean, basically a month since the last time they've oh, played, or in our couple weeks that now. That can be a big deal because sometimes the team shows up for this game and they're just not ready. They're like asleep. Sometimes I feel like that happens with the Super Bowl with a couple of weeks yes. in between. I think this is the couple of weeks in between here for the national championship. I mean, I like that they've added in the playoff. It doesn't make the it doesn't make it a month. It shortens it to a couple of weeks. But that layoff can make some teams a little bit rusty. Yep. I don't know. I think that's the key to it is who can shake off the rust the fastest and just kind of get into their game plan. Both teams looked awful in last year's Super Bowl for a while. I mean, that was a, that was, you want to talk about a slog, you know, like the the early part of that Virginia SU game last year's Super Bowl was just like, yeah, it was just, oh my God. Jerry McNamara breaks down Virginia for us next on the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Jerry McNamara, coach of Syracuse University men's basketball, also known as GMAC, along with us here on the Sportzilla Show every Monday at this time, courtesy of Drivers Village, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Scoop and I are sitting here, and we were talking a little bit about the game tonight, the national championship. You're going to see a Heisman Trophy winner. You're going to get to see some uh, some guys who might make a little bit of money in the NFL in this game, I have a feeling. And the Tigers win either way. Jerry, have you heard that goofy joke nonstop? I mean, who's it going to be tonight? Who do you think wins this tonight? What do you got for a spread laying around the house at the McNamara household when you're watching? Tell us about it. LSU, I've, I've been saying it for weeks. It seems like it's the team of destiny. Um, you know, I, it's funny. I saw a Joe Burrow interview where, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I thought it was hysterical where he's drinking a bottle of water and a reporter was asking him, you know, well, it's a picture of his younger self. You know, I don't know how old he is, a little scrawny kid. And they said, uh, you know, does this look like a, you know, what would you tell this kid? And, you know, does this look like a Heisman Trophy winner? He said, "Darn right it does." Yes. What, would, what would your What would your advice be to this kid? He looks like a national champion, you know. So, you know, Burrow's obviously playing with a you know a, a different type of swagger, and you know they have their sights set on the national championship, and they've they've been terrific. They really have. They've they've been great all year. And then Clemson coming into the Ohio State game, it seemed like you know early on that game could have gotten out of hand. And if you go back and even the game we played against them on our football schedule. Um, 
you know, we had multiple opportunities in the red zone to score and we just couldn't get it done. That's what their defense has kind of prided themselves on. So I think if that game could have got out of hand quick, the Ohio State game, and they could have put them away early. They just couldn't score in the red zone. And, you know, Clemson hung around long enough to get hot offensively. And, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to pretend I know a heck of a lot about football. I know that these are the best two teams right now in college football. I know that Ohio State probably had that coming in because Clemson wasn't necessarily tested as heavily as those two teams coming into the playoff. And, uh, I know one thing, I just like seeing competitive championship games. And, you know, either way this goes, you know, I've always liked Clemson. You know, it seems like LSU is the team of destiny, but, you know, like like Dabo puts it, little old Clemson seems to get it done, and they've got it obviously rolling. And, uh, you know, I'm just one of those guys that likes to see entertainment. I, I, I could care less which way it goes, but, I mean, I don't have to you know, for two and a half hours, if I sit down and watch this game, which I intend to do, I wouldn't mind being entertained. Number 18, Virginia losses Syracuse 63-55. to Syracuse at five three-pointers in overtime. Actually outscored Syracuse. You guys outscored yourselves in the second half of this game. Everybody's talked about that ridiculous shot that Buddy made. Uh, the team was eight and seven, one and three in ACC going in. Virginia, of course, eleven and three and three and one in the conference. And now the team's nine and seven, and this is a chance to just go. Phew! Um, there's a lot of people out there, Jerry, and I'm sure you've heard the chatter, the the expectation of how is it, how are they going to beat this team, especially after what happened in the first game of the season. And then everybody's getting nervous, going, and then look at the schedule after that. So this is a yeah. resetting kind of win. A galvanizing win, in my humble opinion, but uh, you're just your general overview of a big win for the team. Yeah, you know, I think we've gotten a lot better since that first game of the year. They're, they're as difficult an opponent as you can open up with because you know what you're going to get defensively. They're just so sound defensively. They eliminate a lot of opportunities for you in the pick and roll game, which most most offenses are predicated on. And um, you know, with the young group coming in, we had Italy, which was a good kind of springboard for us but with a young group that hasn't faced you know much competition and was trying to find themselves to figure out who we were with our rotations and what we had and how things were going to play out in game uh really really difficult opponent to open up with and we performed pretty poorly in that uh but we've gotten you know significantly better offensively in that time frame and uh, you know, it's unfortunate because the Notre Dame and Virginia Tech games were both in our grasp. We, you know, we controlled a good majority of that. We gave up too big of a run there in the second half against Virginia Tech. I think it ended up being 21 to four and they got going offensively from the perimeter, which they're more than capable of doing. And they did against us two four point plays we gave up. Um, you know, but our guys, you know, I've said it on the show before is the one thing that we've known about this group, regardless of, what has happened in the loss category is they've never stopped preparing. Um, you know, we, we've always practiced in and practiced out. They've been willing to put in the work of what we thought could help them. And uh, they've come ready every day. They didn't let a few losses deter them from how they prepared. And, you know, I hate to say it, but you're sitting, you know, looking back and you're two possessions away from being 11 and five and four and one. Um, that is not the scenario we're in. We're not in seven, two, and three. But um, you know, you could easily be in that, you know, that category. A few possessions in both the Notre Dame and Virginia Tech game, which we weren't able to capitalize late, which we were able to capitalize late against Virginia. You know, going in, we hadn't been in any close games coming into conference. Everything had been double digits, and you know, now you're in it for the first time. When we saw in the Notre Dame game up four, we you know we turned it over twice offensively where we had opportunities to extend it to a full two possession and three possession game. So 
Uh, same thing, Virginia Tech, we just got sped up a little bit and weren't able to capitalize when it mattered most. So, you know, it's nice, you know, you're playing your third game in a row and it's uh, a tight game and we actually lose the lead and we end up coming back. Um, you know, the, the pass that Marek made to Elijah Hughes on the wing, he regained the lead, was terrific. Uh, we come down, Joe Girard hits a big three, and then we get a steal that leads out to another terrific pass for Buddy to take a seven-point lead in overtime. So we were able to capitalize a little bit better, execute a little bit better. We were a little more patient down the stretch offensively, making them defend multiple actions, working through Marek and uh, finding some open shooters and getting to the foul line. I thought Quincy, even though he was in foul trouble and never really had a rhythm in the game, when he got back in for good after Brahma fouled out, he made some really, really big plays in that game. You know, the pump fake to get a foul, the you know, go one for two to regain the lead. And then the, the drive that he made along the baseline and dished it off to Marek, and Marek was able to get fouled. So, uh, you know, Marek playing the extended minutes he did with four fouls was huge. It's huge. One of the best, just absolutely huge for us, you know, how intelligent and difficult that is to play against the front line of that, that caliber with Huff and Diakiti back there with their size. Uh, for him to play as many minutes as he did with four fouls was absolutely crucial for us. We Everyone knows how important he is for us, and, uh, one of those games was nice. I walked out of the gym with Quincy, and yeah, I just you talking about young guys that are trying to figure it out, and you know, a guy that's always been a, a big time scorer. You know, he, Quincy led the Adidas circuit in high school in scoring. Um, you know, and, and you know, I just reiterated to him on the way out how proud I was of him. Like, listen, man, you need to understand this. What you did tonight was not going to show up on the box score, but you are completely vital to why we won this basketball game. So, you know, for us to win games like that against quality opponents, we're going to have to have everybody contribute, and, and, and we did that the other night. From your perspective, how rewarding is it for you to see these players that you're coaching up, all their hard work it culminates in a win finally, and then how fleeting is the, uh, the the feeling of enjoyment after a win like that? How soon do you put it away and start to work on the next game? Uh, I think you give yourself to answer the first question. Yeah, you know it's 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 so nice. You know, people from the outside. You know, it's easy to judge and you get frustrated because we haven't won at the caliber that we expect to. Um, but you know, from the outside, you don't see the work behind the scenes and how hard these guys are on themselves. So it's nice to see them kind of get over a hump in one of these games. Um, and then the second part is, you know, I think you take that night, you take the plane ride back. Um, you know, there's, there, there's very few things in this business that are more rewarding than a road a road win. Uh, they're very difficult to come by. And when you do it against the caliber of a team like Virginia in a, in a building that they've been almost unbeatable in, um, it's a little bit sweeter. Uh, but you take that ride back and you enjoy it, and then once Sunday comes, you're you're moving past it. You know you understand that you're you're going to turn around and face an opponent in in BC who just beat that team. You know they did it on their home court, but they beat that team. We know how that how difficult it is to beat Virginia, and and they just did it as well. So you know you got to turn around, and you know I think the other thing goes back to what we just talked about is you know the way our guys kind of look at it as a competitor is like man we should be three and zero in these games. You know, that's the way I think of it. That's what we demand of ourselves. Um, I don't think we'd be at this level if we didn't expect that. Um, so more than anything, you you enjoy it. You enjoy every win. You, you beat yourself beat yourself up over every loss, but um, you, you try to use everything as a springboard to motivate yourself for the next step. And 
that's that's the mind frame we're in right now is all right you know that this was great and it was fun while it lasted let's move on and try to recapture and um, you know live that feeling again Wednesday night it wasn't just Marek it was the whole team I think 55 points given up to Virginia in these circumstances in their house just shows an overall commitment to defense you got to be generally overall happy with the defense but the last question I want to ask you today, Jerry, courtesy of Drivers Village, we get GMAC on with us on the Sports Zilla Show every Monday on ESPN Radio, is about the jacket. I have to, because it was all over social media, and they blamed Julie. I think Julie took credit for that. But Jim has some stellar linings to the jackets, and he had, and we've had our, I think it was our fifth jacket throw of the year, but Jim throws the jacket with the pictures of him throwing the jacket in Duke. I mean, we've jumped a shark there, Jerry. It was, it was fantastic. Do you sit back and, and kind of chuckle a little bit of stuff like that? Yeah, I've seen the writing before. Uh, it, is, uh, it is pretty terrific. It is. It really is, man. It really just is. You know, there's really no other way around it to have a jacket and picture of yourself throwing a jacket and then throw the jacket of the picture that you're throwing a jacket. Um what is the but quintessential is, you know, lining for you inside of a jacket then? I've got to figure out what that should be, and we have to get that done for you, man. I have one jacket with just the number threes all over it. Okay. So that one's pretty cool. It's actually a tuxedo jacket. Um, so, but to answer, to you know, to go back to the original you know statement you made about the defense, you got to understand, too, is every, every opponent you face is different. And, you know, for instance, we're coming off Virginia Tech, who, you know, going into our game is the, the league leader in three-point shooting um notre dame before that league leader in three-point shooting and every you know every every team's gonna pose a different obstacle for you to overcome and you know going in you know that virginia isn't quite the three-point shooting team that the previous two opponents are they they you know imposed themselves inside and they showed that when they came to syracuse in the first game you know you know you're gonna have to deal with huff so you know, the, the biggest thing is you got to understand from a defensive perspective is, you know, you try to take away strengths, and um, the reality of it is they just weren't as capable from the perimeter as other teams. You know, you could play a team like Virginia Tech, who most people are saying, you know, they're they're not going to win as many games as the Virginia, but they might give us more issues for Virginia, you know, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, all these games are going to be different. you got to prepare and try to game plan as best as you can and give your guys the best opportunity to win, and, to to our guys' credit, we we really did a pretty good job um, of understanding what we were trying to do defensively and taking away some things, and and they were able to execute. But more than all that, I'm I'm just more proud when we lost the lead and we got down five. We didn't panic. We executed. We made some shots, and our guys stuck together. That's 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 the type of things that it takes to win games. I I appreciate Jerry. First of all, the time every Monday, but those conversations like you described with Quincy or watching somebody like Joe Girard, who reminds me so much of you when you played and that passion and things like that. Those are the little things that make successful basketball players, but more importantly, they go on to be successful men in life. Jerry, can't wait to talk to you next Monday. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks. Jerry McNamara, who, of course, is with us, courtesy of Drivers Village, every Monday on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Lane and Scoop. Remember to give us a follow at twitch.tv slash Talk. If you'd like it without the Amazon commercials, you can subscribe. And you can subscribe for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. And if you'd like to give us bits, we'd love those. Sorry, I just stepped on your toes there, Scoop. That's my bad. 
There's a Twitter account called Hoodie Glaber, G-L-E-Y-B-E-R. I'm sure you've seen it. Nick's nodding his head. You're a Yankees fan. They have a thread of Yankees off-season facial hair. If you're interested in that or you just kind of wonder why in this day and age they don't just lax that a little bit, well, that's there. It's pretty fun. I don't know a member of the Yankees that doesn't have some form of facial hair right now pending shaving it off in about a month. They also settled all of their contracts as far as arbitration, every single one of them. The Mets did the same thing, too. Did you catch that, Nick? Did. Yeah, so as far as the New York teams, set and taken care of. But before we bounce out of here today, every once in a while, I got to throw in what's up with the Syracuse Crunch. So I'm looking at a 5-4 to four win over the Amherst a couple days back. And then on the 12th, which was, what, yesterday... They is that right? Is my yeah. math right? Yeah, that was yesterday. Jeez, don't have a calendar in front of me. Uh, they did lose to the Devils six to five in a shootout. It's their season up, down, up, down. I mean, they got eighteen wins, but Brent X, I even heard who you're about to get on the block with at four o'clock. Even saw a tweet from him where he was like, "This team definitely has some defensive issues, which seems to be their big issue this year." That's, that's what I'm seeing. And, and from watching, you know, watching some highlights and checking out some things and seeing a couple of their games with, with the Comets, for example, it's there. Yeah, you got a 5 4 game and a 6 5 game. You know, it's a lot of goals. Yeah, there's a lot of scoring going on. Can I just leave uh, everyone with an NFL fact? Absolutely. I'll cut you off when we have to go to break. Go. Derek Henry of the Titans, 195 rushing yards against the Ravens. He's now had three games in a row where he's reached at least 180 yards. No player since the NFL's 1970 merger has done that, ever. He's the only one. That's damn impressive. LSU tonight, that's me. What about you? I'm picking LSU. LSU. LSU it is. Okay. This is the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. See you tomorrow at 3.